0: Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you. As indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Well good morning again. We're glad that you're here as we're studying the book of Colossians. And just before we jump in, we've been laying before you um, every week, we've launched a new podcast called The Rest of the Sermon. And what that is, is we want you guys to send in any questions that you might have um, about the sermon, and, and we dialogue more about that, sort of a riff off of Paul Harvey's The Rest of the Story. But maybe there's something that comes up in the sermon, and you're like, oh wow, I didn't know that, but if that's true, then what about this? Send us a question at info at westsidepb.org, and we'll answer that on the podcast, and would love for for you to subscribe to that, because uh, one of the things I'll, I'll never forget a preacher saying is that good preaching doesn't end a conversation, it begins a conversation. And so that's something that we want to do, and it's just more content for you throughout the week to sort of be diving in and be living in the book of Colossians. Well, it's the third week, uh, we've been in Colossians for three weeks, and today we're on verse 3. And that's just kind of how it goes here, okay? We just sort of preach through books of the Bible line by line and word by word and phrase by phrase. And just to set us up where we're going today, um, this is a picture of John and Charles Wesley. And these guys are sort of heroes of the faith. This is John Wesley and that's his brother Charles Wesley uh, back in the day when dudes wore wigs. So there's that, Um, yeah. And so uh, these guys are the founders of the Methodist movement. And so a lot of people don't know, John Wesley was a great uh, evangelist, and he would go and preach in towns and cities. Many would convert to Christ, and then he, he had trained fellow ministers that he had called method men. That's why it's Methodists. A lot of Methodists don't even know that. And then after John Wesley would leave town, a church would be planted through those method men. John was a very, very famous preacher, and in church history, very famous. Charles... Is lesser known, but but not really. Um, Charles Wesley went on to be a very famous hymn writer and wrote some 8,500 hymns that we still sing today. Hark the herald angels sing. That's Charles Wesley. The story of these two is very interesting. They were a part of in the 1700s when they were at Oxford, called the Holiness Club. Uh, John, Charles Wesley, George Whitfield was a part of this group. And these guys came together, they prayed together, they fasted together, they studied God's word together, they they, uh, raised money for the poor together. I mean, these guys were like, if you were like, who's saved? The Holiness Club, those guys are saved. Like, who's going to heaven? John and Charles Wesley. These guys are going to heaven, right? What's interesting is, is when you read their biographies, they all have conversion stories of actually converting to Christ. After being in the Holiness Club, literally, they would go on to say later on in their life that while they were in that Holiness Club, they were not truly converted followers of Jesus. And as a matter of fact, Charles Wesley, in May of of 1738, goes to church one day and comes back home and writes these words, I received the sacrament today, but not Christ, communion. I received communion today, but not Christ. What's he saying? Got up, went to church today, sang some songs, even said a few prayers, went forward for communion, but I didn't receive Christ, the substance. What's he saying? I'm in the routine. I'm doing things, but I don't have a relationship with Jesus. And then when you hear words like that and see a story like that, it, 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 it makes you wonder, what does that mean? What's that all about? Well, in Colossians 1, 3 through 8 today, we see the Apostle Paul give thanks to the Colossians. If you have your Bible, if you don't have one, there's one in front of you. Please have your eyes on Scripture. Verse 3, he says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. And so at first glance, you would say, oh, Paul's just thankful for the Colossians. But then when you go on to see, well, look at what he says there in verse 6 at the end. Verse 6 he says, "Uh, this gospel which has come to you, and and indeed in the whole world, it's bearing fruit and increasing as it does among you. Now here it is, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth interesting he says you heard this gospel of truth but then he uses this massive word in the original language for understood it epignoso gnosis to know epignoso is well it means this knowledge which perfectly unites a subject with its object it's to know to fully know. Charles Wesley would say, yeah, I know Jesus. But after that date of his conversion, he would say, no, 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 I know Jesus. Um, in the Old Testament, when God created our first parents, Adam and Eve, it said that Adam did not know his wife. And then Adam knew his wife. Do I need to teach any further on that as to what that means, right, okay? That Adam knew his wife, okay? It's, it's, it's not just a head knowledge, not to know about something, but to be in a relationship. And, and look at the order that these verses come in. Um, Paul said, you heard the gospel, that's information. And, and, and hey, by the way, when it comes to the gospel, something has to be said, OK, so if I hear if I see another Christian T-shirt or bumper sticker that says I'm um, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words, I'm going to burn the car that it's on. OK, all right. That, the early church father didn't even say that. I understand the sentiment. Live lives in such a way that we're that's what the whole point of the sermon is today. But listen, when it comes to the gospel, you've got to say some things. You have to sit across from a table with a cup of coffee with the loved one that you know who doesn't know Christ and say, this is the good news. There's information. And then he says, but you learned it from Epaphras. This is what I would call investigation. This is connecting the dots. This is, well, if this is true over here, then what does this mean for my life over here? And you said this, this is now we're connecting the dots, we're laboring, okay? Then you understood it, which I would say means application. Um, very common. You heard it, information, very common. In Popper Bluff, where there's Dollar Generals, Mexican restaurants, car dealerships, and churches, a lot of people hear it. A lot of people hear it, right? And then some people begin to learn it. I was in a study, I was in, I started doing this, um, but here's where my burden is at. Here's where my burden is at, is the application. Um, My great burden is that Butler County is filled with what Charles Wesley wrote in his journal. I grew up in church. I was here. I'm around it. I know about... But when it comes to a fruitful relationship with Jesus Christ, how... Well, here's the question. Here's the question we're going to ask today and then answer from these verses, and it's this. How do I know that I've heard learned, and understood the good news of Jesus. How do I know that? How do I know that I've heard, learned, and understood the good news of Jesus? Many people have heard. Many, Some people have learned. Very few people have understood. And by the way, Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path that leads to life. We are on it today. The question that you should be asking is, some of us, I've grown up in church, but like this relationship, how do I know? Well, here's the thesis and the big idea today. If we truly know Jesus, it will truly show in our lives. If we truly know, it will truly show. That's what the Apostle Paul says in these verses. He says, listen, um, by the way, Paul's never met the church in Colossae. Epaphras was the founding pastor. And, and, and he traveled around with Paul and, and met Paul and said, this is the news. A church has been planted, but there's some error that's come in. And then he writes the letter to, to correct that. But he says, wow, th- there's real evidence for a conversion to Jesus Christ. So what are some things that we see? If I truly know, what truly shows? I see four things in the passage. The first one is this. You have faith in Jesus. Jesus. You have faith in Jesus. Verse 3, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Verse 4, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Heard of your faith in Jesus. Faith, right? We see this word everywhere. You go in Hobby Lobby and it's on every single sign everywhere, okay? Faith, hope, and love. You know, the Holy Trinity of the New Testament. Why is that everywhere? Well, it's because faith is a big deal. Um, It's the deal. It is the deal in the Bible. Faith is. And, and this week, um, I, I got up. It was early, cold outside. And so getting ready to take the kids to school. And so I went outside. and was going to start uh, my car, and, and it wouldn't roll over. It just kind of, you know, just kind of dead. And so I was like, oh, man, that sounds like a battery issue because I'm such a, you know, a mechanic. I'm so knowledgeable at that. I was like, well, it can't be the flux capacitor, right? And so it's probably the battery. <laughs> So I backed the van out and then got, um, got some jumper cables and so hooked uh, the jumper cables up. It was cold and it was still early. And so I, so I hooked them up and then went and tried to you know, roll it over again and it wouldn't work. And then saw some stuff smoking and I was like, that's not good. And realized the red should be connected to the red on your battery. And so if you connect the positive and negatives, it'll melt your cord is what it'll do. And so um, I praised Jesus and then got it connected back together, and then it fired over. But follow with me. Um, the battery was dead. My battery in, in my car was dead. So, so I hooked up the jumper cables and then hooked it up to a live battery. The live battery sent something to the dead battery. The dead battery was alive, but because it was connected to the live battery, it became alive. Do you see where I'm going with this? Um, You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Contrary to popular belief, there was not some spark in you. There was not some original snowflake. There was nothing in you that was good. For we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and God made us alive together. For by grace you have been saved. Listen, what faith is, faith is what connects us to God. That's the thing That's the thing in the Bible, is what faith does. Faith is what connects us from something that was dead, our lives, our heart, and it connects us to God. Listen, our works, our works is not what connects us to God. This is the heart of the Protestant Reformation. It is not that we'd show good works, then that gets God's attention, and then we have faith. Wrong. Faith is what gets God's attention. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to to please God I mean this is a big deal so what is faith we haven't defined it yet what is faith well we in here we like to let scripture interpret scripture and so Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 actually gives us a definition of faith now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen so that's faith it's okay to be honest in church. You're like, Jase, I have no idea what that means. What do you mean that's faith? That's a, what kind of definition is that? Well, just follow me. Now, faith is the assurance. So that's like um, a conviction another way. Hope for things not seen. Well, let's, let's define it this way. Faith is an internal conviction that leads to an external action. That's Faith. Faith is an internal conviction, a belief or a trust in something that leads me to an action. That's why in the New Testament, James would say faith without works is dead. You say you have faith, show me your works. And by the way, um, if if, if you're a non-believer in here sort of peeking over the fence at Christianity, welcome, we're glad you're here. I take your questions very seriously. If you're seeking and sort of pursuing God, one of the things that you can't say is that you don't have faith. Um, Everybody has faith. Everybody has faith. The question is, what's your faith in? Everybody has faith. When you walked in today, you picked out your pew, your pew, because you were like, boy, if they're sitting in my pew today, that's my pew, right? Okay, right? So our little southern thing here. And, and, And before you sat down, you had an internal conviction that that seat would hold me. And you showed that internal conviction by an external action, by sitting in it. If you were to say, I believe that seat could hold me and not sit in it, I would say, you do not believe that seat could hold. Listen, everybody has faith, okay? Some people have faith in the stock market. Anybody got GameStop stock? How's that going today? Okay, right? Everybody, everybody has faith, okay? Everybody has faith. The question is, what is your faith in? What is your faith in? And as Christians, we say our faith is in Jesus, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So therefore, now, my marriage will not be defined by whatever. It's going to be defined by, by the very words of God. I've always used this story with faith, and I think it's great. Um, long before, like, Evil Knievel or, or anybody like that, there was this guy called the Great Blondin was his name. And uh, long before Eva Knievel jumped or did anything, the great blondin walked on tightropes and did stuff. But he's most famous for walking across Niagara Falls. And he did it a bunch, did it often, did a wheelbarrow, um, even paused in the middle, cooked some eggs, and did breakfast. And then for his big finale, he was going to carry someone on his back across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. Well... Um, everybody sort of started making bets there in the local town. And there in the diner one day, two guys sort of engaged in a healthy conversation, and one guy says, I know he can do it. He's done it in the past. I believe that the Blondin can carry somebody across Niagara Falls. The guy was like, no way. The weight's going to shift. This isn't going to happen. They started placing bets. Well, little known to those guys, Blondin was there in the restaurant. And so he hears this guy just champing and for him, saying, I believe that you can do this. So Blondin stands up, introduces himself, and says, you seem so sure and have so much faith that I can do this. Why don't you get on my back? And you can be the guy. You're the guy. You're for me. You're the guy. And history records that he didn't get on his back. Faith. It's an internal conviction that leads to an external action. And so if we say that that we have faith, here's the sentence. A profession of faith without an expression of faith means no possession of faith. And I am very burdened for our area. Listen. Love your grandmama, boo-boo, ga mimi. Love her to death. So glad she took you to church. I'm so glad she was in church and she prayed for you. But your faith is not her faith. Everybody professes faith, but it comes to an expression and a life lived by faith. That's why when we read those people in Hebrews, the great witnesses of faith. And so when we look at this, is there, is there a step of faith? Is there an act of obedience out of faith in the New Testament that God prescribes for us? And the answer is yes. And we believe that to be baptism. We believe that the first act for someone who's professed faith in Jesus Christ is to pass through the waters of baptism. That you stand there and you say, my life is no longer my own. That I reject the world and the devil and his ways. You go down into the water symbolizing the death and burial of Jesus Christ. You come out of the water symbolizing the resurrection of Jesus Christ, saying, I will now live by faith in Jesus Christ. And so listen, if this is something that you haven't done, there's a sign-up sheet out there in the lobby. We're going to have a baptism service um, in the month to come. We want you to do that. Listen, baptism doesn't save you. That's Popper Bluff tap water, bro. There ain't nothing special in there. But listen, it's what saved people do. It's an act of faith. It's obedience. And Jesus says, and by the way, um, the New Testament knows nothing of an unbaptized convert. And if you're like, well, what about the thief on the cross, preacher? Well, the next time you're crucified next to Jesus, I'll give you a hall pass, okay? All right? But this is the step of faith, of obedience, that direction. If I truly know, I'll truly show. What am I truly showing? I'm truly showing my faith in Jesus. The second thing is this. um, You have love for one another. You have love for one another. Look, we're just going line by line. Verse 4. Since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints... We learned that the Apostle Paul loves the word all in Colossians. He uses the word all 32 times, and then Christ 24 times. That's where we get the theme, it's all about Jesus. And I love that he says that you have love for all the saints, not just some of the saints. You have love for the saints that are like you, right? No, he just says all the saints. And remember we learned last week about the word saints. Remember, we said that it was shocking. And every time that we read the word saints, what are we supposed to do? Yes, you guys remembered it. Because I was like, if you don't remember it, I'm about to preach the whole sermon all over again, okay? So here's what I want to do. We said that it's shocking that he's calling people saints. Why? Well, because we're sinners. Simul es justus es predicus, as Luther said, simultaneously sinner and saints. So, so, so here's what I want to do. I'm going to read that again. And when I get to saints, I want you to gasp. Okay, you're in the sermon. Here we go. You have um, a faith in Christ Jesus and love that you have for all the saints. What? What? Saints? The love for each other. Um, this is the mark in the New Testament. This is the mark for someone who truly is a believer. Is a love that they have for one another. It's such a big deal that Jesus actually makes it an 11th commandment. Remember? You remember God's top 10, the 10 commandments? All that stuff? Like, don't drink custard or chew or go with girls that do? Or, uh, that's, not, that's a different list. Okay, that's not that list. But it's God's top 10 because it's his nature and character. And then Jesus comes along in John 13 and says this, um, a new commandment I give to you. Like, great. Really, Jesus? Because I was struggling with the other 10, okay? You give me another one, but listen to what he says. That you love one another. That you love one another. Well, how are we supposed to love one another, Jesus? Just as I have loved you. That's the game changer. That's what the whole verse is anchored in. Because when we say love, listen, we're so selfish as human beings, we're so selfish as human beings that we love other people the way we want to be loved. That's not sacrifice and that's not service. That's called being selfish, okay? That's like how distorted our love is. But he says, no, no, no. The basis is that you love as I have loved. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples by the denomination that you are a part of. Oh, doesn't say that. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples by your rants on Facebook about what you're against. Doesn't say that either. By the love that you have for one another. Why? Because the world doesn't offer that love. A diversity of people that are a unity of people bound together by their love for Jesus Christ. Listen, here's what I'm trying to say. Um, I asked the question this week sort of on social media. What is a tangible way that you've seen Christians loving one another? A lot of people responded, about 46 comments. And a lot of people hinted around it. And a lot of people said certain descriptions, but a few people nailed it. And the most tangible evidence of love, listen, love is most clearly seen in sacrifice. That's it, sacrifice. That's where love is most clearly seen. Love each other as I have loved you. Well, how did Jesus love us? Well, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were undeserving, had nothing good in us, but Jesus chose and put his love on us. By the way, real quick, this is free, not in my notes. Love is a choice. Love is not a feeling. Love is a choice before it's a feeling. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, it is not love that makes the marriage. It is the marriage that makes love. So it's not, I mean, our culture has a completely distorted view of love. Love is a choice that I don't feel this way, but I will do these acts of love despite how I feel. It is sacrifice. Well, what is sacrifice? I like to use this definition of sacrifice sacrifice is giving up something you love for someone you love even more. Sacrifice Love is you before me, not the ridiculous movie Me Before You. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen, okay? It's you before me. That's what it is. And so it's giving up something you love for someone you love even more. So my time, my money... I have this relationship and, 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 and I know that, that I need to live in community and have relationships together and, and, and I want to be a part of this women's thing. And so what I'm going to do is tomorrow I'm going to arrange my time, something I love, in such a way that I lay that down to invest in people that I love. That's what it is. And listen, the world knows nothing of that type of love. Nothing of that type of love. So here's a question. If the Apostle Paul saw that in the church in Colossae, and for those of you who are here at Westside and call Westside your home, here's a question for you. When is the last time I freely gave up something I loved for somebody in this church family? We're on it now. It's not like, well, I don't really know what he's saying. Oh, like there's a way to answer this and that's just it, right? We say that we have love. We say we... And by the way, just real quick, posting something on Facebook is not like, well, I let everybody know, okay? Like, guys, we got to get a little bit more... Like, that is such a sham to how shallow our relationships are now that we drop a statement of, well, it was on Facebook, okay? Like my nanny, well, I saw it on the Facebook, okay, right? That's such a shallowness of relationships. But a love for one another... If we truly know, it'll truly show. The third thing that I see is this, um, that you have a hope in heaven. That you have a hope in heaven. Since we've heard of your faith, we're still in verse 4, guys. This is how it goes. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Because of. Okay, so if you're in English class, remember that. How many of you are glad to be out of English class? Okay, right? Um, Because of, the source of, sense, that's the foundation. So hope, hope produces something. It produces this faith and love, what we see. Um, What what is hope? Because it's not hope so. Listen, Christian faith is not hope so. Uh, Well, you know... Are, are you assured that if you die today that you would go to heaven, that you would be with Jesus Christ? Hope so. Eh, wrong answer, okay? That's not the hope that the New Testament offers. We're not talking about Tom Brady going to the Super Bowl, though that's a large chance for a hope because he's done it a lot. Of th- I'm not going to get into that, okay? I'll leave that over here, okay? I'm a Cowboys fan, okay? So pray for me, all right? Goodness gracious, all right? What is hope? Well, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 through 20 says this. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Steadfast, sure, steadfast, anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, talking about the new covenant. Look at these words. Sure, steadfast, anchor. These are words that the Bible uses to describe hope. How about this definition for hope? Hope is the confident expectation that what God has said will happen. That's hope. Hope is future-oriented. It is an expectation. H-O-P-E, holding on to positive expectation that what God has said will happen. But what is your hope based on? Is it based on feelings? Is it based on feelings? No. It's based... Follow me with this. Um, we always express faith and hope every time you purchase something from Amazon. Follow me, okay? Anybody purchase anything from Amazon recently? Uh, like everybody, okay? The one company, and everything's going down, this is going up. And they've actually trademarked this little thing, which has actually been clinically proven to be addictive, which is the buy with one click button. I mean, like, this is crazy, okay? This is, Jesus faces a lot of temptations in the wilderness, but he didn't face the buy now with one click button, Okay? Because I just go, oh yeah, I think I need that. Two days later, it's there. I'm like, oh my goodness gracious, this is incredible, right? Well, you um, exercised faith when you clicked that button. You had an internal conviction that led to an external action. And then you also expressed hope that that would get to your front door. That two days later, there it is, right? And it always seems to be an Earth City. It's an Earth City for two days. What's going on in Earth City, okay? It's there, it circulates, goes to Sykeston, back to Earth City, okay, right? All this stuff. Then it's there on your front porch. This is incredible. And what's your hope based on? You say, well, I hope my package gets there, but you're like, I paid for it and they gave me a tracking number. I can follow this thing. Listen, our hope as Christians we don't just hope so. We have a confident assurance that what God has said will happen based upon His Word. This is like the tracking number for your hope, man, that I come to this and so when, I, when, when I'm when i feeling afraid and I know that God says be strong and courageous and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Or when I become anxious about my life, Jesus says do not be worried for, for God um, cares for His children. That, that all of these things that our hope is based on this listen hope is holding on to the promises of God despite how we feel that's what hope is and listen Christians this is the mark this differentiates us from the rest of the world this truly shows because everything right now is pessimistic I am weary to my soul about people who are critical but yet don't contribute to anything It is so weary to me. It is so easy to tear down what somebody else built. And for you to sit back and go, well, the problem is, like, Monday morning quarterbacking, okay? And listen, by the way, it seems to be popular for my generation to talk negatively about the church. Well, the problem is, the church is, I love Jesus, but I'm not really down with the church. Listen, the church in the New Testament is referred to as the Bride of Christ, Okay? So just follow with me. If you were to come up to me and speak negatively about my wife, I would lay hands on you in the name of Jesus Christ, okay? Because you can't have me and not have my wife. You cannot love Jesus and not love the church. And listen, yes, there are. Bro- I love what Augustine said. The church is a whore, but she is my mother. She's not perfect, and yes, she's broken, but I have a confident expectation that what God said will happen. Listen, Christians, hope is what marks us in this dark and dreary world where fear-mongering is propagated everywhere. We are not a people without hope. And by the way, just because there seems to be all this end times conversation happening, do you know what Jesus actually says? Jesus says, um, by the way, when the end starts approaching, lift your eyes up because your hope draweth nigh. Christians don't go, oh, it's the end times. Oh, it's the, well, you know, the stuff and the thing. And he did, that's not who we are. We are ones who have hope in a dark world. If you truly know, it'll truly show. And it's shown in faith in Jesus, love for one another, a hope that you have in heaven. And then the last thing is this you have a trusted source. Look at what he says. Verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, the good news, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world and it's bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Here it is. Just as you learned it from Epaphras. Epaphras was the founding pastor at Colossae. He's the one who heard the gospel, learned the gospel, and understood the gospel, and takes it back to his hometown and starts the church. And look at these descriptions of Epaphras. Our beloved, fellow servant, he's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and is made known to your love in the Spirit. Like Epaphras. Epaphras was a trusted source for the people to hear the good news of Jesus. And I'm so burdened around here just because I think... Maybe you think you kind of heard something and, and listen, I say this all the time. Just because it's in a Christian bookstore doesn't mean it's Christian. And just because you Google something about Christianity doesn't mean it's the tenets of the faith. Um, our oldest Roman is now into like collecting coins and currency. And it's really cool because you learn a lot about history and coins and all this stuff. And so his granny took him up to Cape. There's a really cool coin shop up there. And this guy was really just nice and generous to my son. And they were talking. And he gave Roman this. It's called the Red Book. And it lets you know, like, what's the history behind the currency? And it lets you know if it's real because there's a lot of fake currency. And he said the, the best way to distinguish this, and you guys have heard this and know this, is not to try to study all the fake stuff. Study the real thing. Because when you know the real thing, when you see a fake thing, you realize, oh, that's fake. Listen, Christians fight deception through discernment. And there's a lot of error out there. Um, you know, we did something different for our online viewers, and, and we got the TV up here to sort of help with some things. And, and when we updated our technology, what, one of the things that it did was is that I had this clicker in my hand. And so we've worked it out now where I don't have the, I felt like Vanna White up here, like with this clicker thing and all this stuff, but I didn't have my Bible in my hand. And I just, I was so convicted, I just kept telling Pastor Tyler, dude, I do not like preaching without my Bible in my hand. And then um, I noticed, I would put the verses up here. And then I noticed more and more weeks, people not carrying their Bibles because the verses were up here. And so it was like, well, just spoon feed me, Pastor, here I am, right? Great. There's a reason why we put Bibles in the pews. Because I want you to turn there. I don't want you to trust me. Listen, down with, well, Pastor Jason, I don't ever want to hear you say that. Don't ever say, well, Pastor Jason says, "Eh." here's what I want you to say. Well, the Bible says, well, the Bible says the messenger is nothing, but the message is everything. And the way that Christians fight misinformation and distrust is through discernment through the very word of God. It is learning that. That's why we only put supporting verses up here. We want you to have your Bible. We want you studying that. We'll give you that copy because, listen, we believe that God really wrote a book, and in that is truth that is found. So, listen, we say that we know. A lot of people say that we know. But does it show? Does it show what we know? Faith in Jesus, the way that we live. Love for one another. A hope that we have in heaven. And then we can go back and say that we have it from a trusted source. In closing, um, I requested, uh, Pastor Tyler, that in closing, if we could sing a certain song. Um, Charles Wesley, after his conversion story, would go back to that same journal. And he would write that God, by his grace, has chased away the darkness in my soul and replaced it with the light of his grace. And then he went on to write all of these songs about his conversion story. We're getting ready to sing one of those songs that Charles Wesley wrote about going from kind of knowing to having a heart change. And listen, while we do that today, when you look at this list, I want you to ask yourself, are are these things in my life? I mean, this isn't something to roll the dice on here. This is something that we can go chapter in verse and say, this is what God has given to assure me that I truly know and have a relationship with Him. And as we're singing these words, I want you to notice the words in this beautiful hymn of somebody who's been saved by faith in Jesus only by the grace of God. So Westside, stand to your feet and let us pray how we always pray here at Westside, how Jesus taught us to pray. Lift your voices out loud and let us pray the Lord's Prayer together. Lift your voices. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you. And God, I just ask, through the power of your Holy Spirit today, that we would look at these words found in in Scripture and we would ask ourselves, man, I say that I profess this, but the faith and the hope and the love that was going on there, is that going on in my life? God, I pray that you would comfort those who need comforting. God, there are people in this room who are living a life of faith and they need to be encouraged. God, today the word to them is don't give up. Rest in the anchor of your hope to love one another, to pursue one another, to not give up. God, there's many of us in this room that need to be convicted, that need to be comforted. And may we all, may we all be compelled to live more like Jesus through your grace. We pray this all in your holy. In precious name, amen.